we acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land, the Wundjeri and Boon people of the Kulin Nation on whose land we record today. We pay our respects to elders past and present. We recognise the ongoing intergenerational trauma caused by colonisation. Sovereignty was never ceded, always was, always will be. Aboriginal land. In the heat of Hello, hello, hello. Welcome again to a new episode of Loud, Angry and Not Sorry. It's your dear friend Daniela speaking and Hi, it's Leah. And we also hey, have Leah. a Hi honey. Uh, we also have a very special guest with us. Uh, some of you might know her as Elizabeth Ton, but we also know her as Gemma. Welcome. Hi, ladies. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're excited to have you. <laughs> Thanks so much. Uh, do you want to tell us a bit about yourself, your background? Yeah, sure. So I guess um, my background is a bit mixed. I have a background in uh, journalism and I've kind of been doing, I, I initially started off in the slightly more mainstream media and I've now been doing a lot more freelance work instead. And I've also, you know, got a background uh, in political economy and socialist organising. So I have, you know, a fun mix of everything I like to think. <laughs> what we need to say. It's excellent. Uh, so this episode, we're pretty much going to be discussing the budget or what's missing from the budget (laughs) i know super sexy super fun (laughs) it's going to be wild lots of romance and drama (laughs) yes (laughs) as always particularly around friday do you know what i was watching the budget i watched it quite a few times which was gross because fucking frydenberg but i just kept looking at his face i'm just like you look so good in drag like he has such a good face for it he'd be (laughs) great that's the thing that you should be thinking. Someone should put him in that face. <laughs> oh, like I just kept thinking, like his eyebrows are so fine, like they just glue down really well. He's got such like a like a really high forehead, so you could get some like amazing eye makeup. <laughs> He'd be incredible. What a shame mm. he's such a cunt. Like oh. you know, like I I feel like that. I think we should be looking everyone and be thinking how they look in drag. That... My eyebrows are too big. Like they they'd no! be rubbish. It'd be annoying. No, and you put a lot of glue with you. You know, mm. we'll make it work. You make All it right. go. We make it work. Yeah. Maybe we should do a yeah, video. But... <laughs> yeah, talking about talking about drag now. Oh, I'd I'd love to wear drag. I'd, they look amazing. Anyway, so the budget. <laughs> It's hard, it's hard to transition out of yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really known for my like my smooth transitions and my segues. My stealth is usually pretty <laughs> You mentioned before the, the liberal budget seems to be a K-shaped recovery. Is that it's not ketamine, yeah. is it? <laughs> no, although a lot of people might be using ketamine as an escape from a K-shaped recovery. So in that sense it is. Yes. <laughs> So I guess, yeah, this is a sort of a sort of hot term. I, in economics, there are a lot of terms that people jump onto because they sound sound bitey and fun. And this is another one of those, I suppose. So basically, what a K-shaped recovery is, the bottom and the majority of people's life kind of remaining hard while the top tier's life gets easier, to put it as crudely as possible. So the profits continue rolling on for um, major companies like Facebook, Amazon, and Google, who I believe have nearly doubled in profit yeah. during the yes, pandemic yes. and yes. Elon yes. Musk is another example he added about 640 billion to his net worth during the oh, pandemic fuck me. and the poorest income earners as unemployment rises they continue to um their wages continue to stagnate or even you know 
lower income coming worse alongside small and medium businesses collapsing. So that's in a nutshell what a K-shaped recovery looks like. But I guess at an even worse sense, one of the things that kind of will happen alongside uh, unemployment, can, you know, I mean, during the budget, Frydenberg talked a lot about, you know, creating jobs and so on. And one of the things that does tend to happen after every recession is unemployment definitely lowers, but it's only lowering in so far as over-casualized labor is increasing. And so prior to the pandemic, I think there was about 30% of the Australian workforce was in full-time work. 40% of the Australian workforce is uh, reliant on welfare in some way or another, and the rest are in casual labour. So I think what will happen, as with the slow recovery from most other recessions in the West, is that over-casualised labour will basically just increase as the Liberals get to claim a win because, you know, they say that unemployment has gone down. And uh, the other interesting element to that that people should be aware of is that when unemployment technically went down during the last recession, what actually happened is that the criteria for claiming that someone is employed was changed. So what has been happening is that they now count you as employed if you've worked one hour a week. Even you could still be reliant on welfare, but you've worked one hour a week, so you're technically employed. And so that's how they manage as well to make the unemployment numbers look so small. In comparison that, to the macro reality. That happened a lot when you work in concert for that companies, Catherine companies, for example, they use that a lot. You are an employee, but sometimes you get one hour per week or you get three hours every two weeks, but you're still employed by them? Yeah. Oh, so that's just a way for them to look good when it comes to voting time. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it comes up to the next election. They say, well, we've recovered because unemployment has gone down and we produce jobs like we said we would, but in reality, the labor market is in shambles. Yeah. And, you know, young people are being used as a sort of fodder to introduce these new, you know, short-term contracts instead of more secure long-term work. Yeah. And that's something that it won't, it won't decrease any kind of social unrest. It hasn't, it hasn't in the US and it definitely won't here. No. So as a long-term strategy, it's horrible, but the Liberals don't care because they only care about what's get them to it's, the next election. It is. It's such a short-term recovery plan. The emphasis on jobs and privatisation and essentially taxing the poor to feed the rich is this real weird Robin Hood situation. Like, I don't know how people don't look at that and think that this is obviously bad. This is obviously bad. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just an example, really, of them playing to their base. You yeah. know, there's a sort of mild tax cut that happens, but for people in a higher income and obviously the lowest income earners completely lose out. And that's a tax cut that I they were supposedly going to introduce anyway and is only going to last until the end of next year. Uh, so it's something that only has, I think, short-term benefits anyway. So it's not... <laughs> yeah, it's it's they're essentially taking, you know, a, a pin to a massive, massive kind of wall that needs completely smashing yeah, down. Yeah, no, makes absolutely. Sense. These these band-aid fixes to huge systemic issues. Yeah, yeah, because how yeah. you say, like, they're just creating that these more jobs that they are not real, so they are just, like, for show numbers that yeah. then don't fix the problem. 
uh, how we say in the episode exactly. before, problem had to be fixed by the roots from the mm. beginning, from the yeah. problem. But you giving someone two hours per week is a joke and is unrespectful. When you talk about like this casual situation, it's like it's pretty much the reality of a lot of immigrants in this country. When uh, mm -hmm. you as a 25 or 30 years old immigrant go to a job, teach new kids to start to arrive. There's no their fault neither, but they are 16 years old and they get paid like $10 less than you. So of course, they're going to give them more hours than you and you are working seven hours per week because you have to get paid $25. So people prefer to go to work in hospitality, get paid in cash, $18, $17 when you are 28 years old uh, because at least you're getting 10 hours or 15 hours and you you and you can say nothing neither because these people know how the system works so they don't give jobs to Australians you can say nothing because you are working illegally as in cash in hand and these people is, mm -hmm. is paying you shit and always you always are afraid to lose your job you know because it's not easy to find it neither mm. so this is exactly so you'll accept any conditions as well exactly exactly especially when it's about like, sexual harassment I know a lot of, I never have that bad luck here in Australia but I know girls that are having terrible mm. issues in your workplace you have to accept a lot of things as an immigrant and I mm. think that this over casual thing that is going to happen is, is just a reality for a lot of people here too before this happened anyway like the casual situation is being forever in Australia I think because yeah. it's so easy like enough Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, and, and that's the, the interesting factor in this pandemic is that the political classes have relied so long and obviously medium and medium sized businesses and small businesses have relied so long on Australia being a guest worker economy. I mean, I think the only the only country that has more short term visa, working visa kind of arrangements and more short term more people on a short term visa, the USA and Saudi Arabia. Wow. And so we've relied for a very long time on the, the economy and the sort of lowest, poorest condition work being propped up by immigrants who are on a short term working visas who aren't even sure if they're going to be able to stay in the long time. And many don't. Mm. Um, many have to leave eventually. And so it's one of these things now where they're now going to have to find a new pool of labor that will fill this and you know a, a good working theory is that where they're going to pull that from is with this new incentivization of hiring young workers yeah. because young workers are more exploited there's a really high youth unemployment in Australia um, especially in rural areas and they need people who are going to accept short-term contracts and they can, in a way, it will also incentivize many businesses who currently have full, like more secure full-time employed positions to simply hire young people on more um, over-casualized positions because that's how they can keep their business flowing, so to mm. speak. And and then there's also the other factor that a lot of um, handouts that they give to businesses, uh, many of them won't even take the, the over-casualized young labor. Many of them will just take the money and deal with debts and probably walk away, you know, instead of keeping the business going. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm actually really concerned about this whole 16 year olds to 35. I'd, kids are going to leave school earlier, not get their high school qualifications and once the the economy does recover and all that these kids are going to be out of school they're going to miss have missed out on so much of their education university is not going to be an option mm -hmm. so this is really setting them up to fail in the long term as well like what jobs are they enter into if they're 16 like optimistically traineeships those high, kind of jobs 
Yeah, but they're going to end up picking fruit or doing all those jobs that you were saying before that the migrant workers are no longer there to do. Like, yeah, really concerned, like genuinely concerned. Yeah. I know. I will say in that, of course, in a in a system, an economic system like this one, you have always to explode someone. And I think I really the new one is keep these people, kids. That if you need to work and you are sixteen, actually work means that you don't have a good income in your in your house already. So when you're doing again, it's just explode the most vulnerable uh, people in the country. You mm. you're using them again as a cheap hand. So yeah. that's how this system works. You choose the rich, is still comfortable in their place, and you exploring the poor. And that's yeah. why they want 16 years old kids, because they are cheaper than 18. So, of course, they want their work. It's so convenient. It's cheap. You can, they're going to work just for a while. They're going to do whatever you want because they are kids and because they need it. Because you don't need to work when you are 16 if your income in your house is all right, you know? Well, if you're looking at, like, a, a family that mum and dad might be out of work or they might, mum and dad might have gone from jobs that ha- were paying, like, $100,000, $150,000 combined and now their work is now casualized or are precarious. So they're going to be relying on children to like, oh, well, can you work after school? You need to contribute. You know, we still need to pay bills and rent and stuff. It's just, yeah, I really see that happening in, especially in the poorer communities and the lower so- lower socioeconomic situations. Exactly. Yeah. And especially because alongside it, um, studying tertiary education is completely disincentivized now. If I were thinking more conspiratorially, I'd probably proffer that the liberals want a society that is less critical and less able to sort of understand the sort of macro economy and sort of social factors that are major reasons why people wouldn't vote for the liberals. Is that a conspiracy? Um, you know, I, mean, I was almost certain that that's why they're making all of these political and social so that people I feel, don't have critical like thought. Justin Bieber. I feel, I feel, I feel like yeah. I feel I feel like it should it does it's sort of you know it's one of those things that's just a logically intuitive thing right yeah. but I'm covering my base I'll bless you I've been saying for a long time the liberal party wants people like even the healthcare system they keep the healthcare system running just well enough so that you can get just enough treatment so you can get back to work but not so that you get well mm-hmm. Like even with the private healthcare, it's it's run like private healthcare profits, especially mental health. It just you keep the patients dependent on the system, so they keep going back into the system and using the system. Um, you know, people yeah. with good mental health don't make private mental health money. It's really it's sadistic, exactly. but it's and that's that's a great metaphor for the economy as well. You know, I mean, the medical system is not one that treats people over a lifespan. It just treats symptoms, right? But in reality, we have, you know, in the economy, it, it, again, it, it's a very similar system because we have the, the electoral kind of system set up the way that it is. People are, uh, you know, just dealing with short term issues and not looking at the longer term ones, you know, like right now, the RBA thinks that they can continue to avoid a depression if they just keep slashing interest rates. And that was the solution very initially to the housing bubble, where in reality, you know, I think prior to the pandemic, we had 400% of private debt to GDP, we had one of the worst housing bubbles in the world. Um, And that's not going, that's not something that's going to suddenly (laughs) 
continuously over time stimulate growth. It's going to eventually create this situation where people are too scared to spend and the housing bubble bursts. Well, you yeah, know? no, absolutely. Uh, that was on the news the other day where um, everyone's saying... What is that I think bubble? The housing bubble. Yeah, what, what is it? Can you explain me? Oh, so basically it's, it's just a scenario where in Australia there has been this sort of artificial creation of a of you know exorbitant housing prices as a result of investors buying uh you know more and more houses and the uh the banks kind of lending to anyone you know who wants to even if their their ability to pay back that loan is not actually particularly stable or um a clear one ultimately it creates this scenario where um you know for example you could have very little demand but simultaneously or very little like growing or increased demand but simultaneously um housing prices can housing prices continuing to rise yes, yes yeah so that's basically yeah just sort of so it's just create that illusion of... that it's always good buy a house it's just create that idea making exactly right because that's why you have houses here that yeah. are one million dollar i'm like what that's one million dollar are you serious it's insane so expensive yeah yeah so you could have investors who have three homes and only one person wants to buy that home but they will hold on to that house rather than sell it even if there's no demand and that is something that artificially creates this inflation and housing prices oh thank you (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah and so like the the solution to that so far rather than regulating the housing market in some way that's more clear and obvious because that would upset investors instead just saying well we're just gonna keep slashing interest rates that'll that'll fix it you know Mm, landlords i hate them yeah (laughs) i'm just packing up my house because my landlord (laughs) decided that oh you know even though it's during a pandemic i reckon my daughter might want to live there and i'm just like prove you have a daughter you asshole anyway i found something better now i found a lovely little house it's all good i'm just i've never really been a massive fan of mal but like right now i am just yeah Just, just reading over all of the quotations yeah, about the right to just to murder your <laughs> landlord. <laughs> I'm thinking I might make a nice mural for him. <laughs> do I really need my yeah. bond back, or do I need to make a statement? It's sort of like one of those weighing it up. <laughs> the funny things that's been happening in this pandemic, or well, one of the funny things is like these, all of these posts from crying or like whinging landlords oh. that they they can't get enough demand or people aren't paying rent and so on and they can't really do about that because they can't replace people right now i um i was organized in the rent strike and also setting up renters and housing union which is amazing and go and support them and we'll put a link and all that kind of stuff if anyone wants some help or even just someone to moan to about landlords they're pretty great (laughs) but even so when morrison first announced the moratorium on evictions there was like a a massive load of landlords trying to evict people and openly saying I would rather evict you than reduce your rent and I'm just like is that not working against your own best interests it just doesn't make it like landlords are fucking idiots like the place that I've moved into it's right in the middle of the city and it's less rent and it's bigger than where I am now because they've had to bring the prices down but they're so arrogant. Yeah. So arrogant. It's just yeah. bizarre. When I lose my job yeah, and everything, they, I asked for a reduce and they told me, no, we don't. But if you want, we can reduce that amount and you can pay me later. And it's like, how are I going to pay no, you later? I don't have a job. 
Yeah, uh, so I'm still paying the same. Yeah. I just don't want to fight anymore. But I was like, if I'm asking you for reduce my rent, why you think I'm going to pay you later back? I don't know when I'm going to have my job back. You know? No, no. Yeah, it's really quite bizarre. Yeah, I mean, there have been some good instances throughout the pandemic, though, of people organizing around evictions yeah. and just kind of, you know, making enough of a public affair around it that the landlords kind of back down. I mean, as well, because pff, what are they going to do? Like, this is really, truly, like, usually during recessions, most people are surprised to learn that rents rise. and But that's because mortgage owners end up going back into the rental market because they, like, you know, default on their mortgage usually. And so that means it's, there's just more de- demand from the the rent the rent side rather than the um sort of owner side but this is one of the few instances where that's not the case (laughs) you know because people are not moving and they're not working simultaneously Mm. and we haven't got those international students coming in as uh, like I've seen in the city especially there's so many of these apartments that we were looking at like so many um people have moved out of the city who were like working there for work and they don't need to because they're working from home or you know students no longer moving in so thank you very much yeah <laughs> I, will, <laughs> thank you. I will have that thank you <laughs> anyway yeah I I made a um just a sort of jokey event ages ago which was basically um find your local landlord at Centrelink <laughs> event and <laughs> and I made it to be around the time of like mid this year. So I really wasn't off. Like, nice. you know, I, I'm, I'm a, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I think I should be, I think I should be hired as some kind of foreseer of truth. Yeah. <laughs> but no. Get Anthony Green onto it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, he didn't see that coming. Well, so. look, didn't he call Labour for the election as well? Oh uh, yeah, pro- I'm but sure I think it did. Everyone yeah. did. I called I called liberal for the last Looking- election. Oh, see, there you go. Sorry, Anthony. I told you. I told you. How? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I was like, I was at work, and I'm like, all right, everyone, we're putting on. It's going to be great. What a great night. Finally, get rid of the. Oh my god. And I was just like, by the end of the night, like the patients were like, are you okay? <laughs> I think like, I think it helps. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, that was not a fun yeah. night. I yeah, I, I think it helps. I was I was like just going back and forth between cans because I'm from Cairns um at the time and so I know I kinda have a sense of, you know, the far right is growing mm. in this country massively mm. and in a sort of organized way. And that I feel like a lot of that has mm-hmm. the the problem of flowing through to the liberals because you know there's these sort of more radical voices that a lot of people who generally drift towards the right pay attention to who then end up preferencing the liberals yeah. and so the natural you know kind of flow through and particularly with Clive Palmer who basically rigged the last yeah. election anyway yeah. by funneling money like millions into you know, creating policies that were more agreeable to most people than a lot of liberal policies and simultaneously then going out and endorsing the liberals and preferencing the liberals. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, fucking would you Would you like to pass to the topic, like, how all these things are going to affect women in Australia? Uh, yeah, yeah, we should get yeah, on to Yeah, would that. you like to explain that? <laughs> well, one of the factors that you know, is, you know, all everything that's occurring in the budget so far is going to affect women sort of like, you know, that's occurring on a macro level is going to affect women on a micro level, mm. basically, because women are going generally, you know, 
prior to the pandemic and for most of this country country's history have represented have been overrepresented as in the unemployed and lower income earners in over casualized industries in industries where people you know generally earn less and end up retiring with less capital mm. and hence why now a, a women even prior to the pandemic were retiring with 47% less super than men and represent the lowest income category in the country just to jump over a whole lot of <laughs> metrics and this is this isn't new exactly oh, Pre- yeah. yeah i think i think one of the interesting factors will be is that because this is something that women have kind of you know over casualized labor roles like retail and hospitality and so on it's something that women have kind of been pushed into for such a long period of time I think one of the side effects of like a deepening recession may actually be that men end up getting pushed into these industries as well and I think that will create some kind of social unrest which will be kind of scary in terms of consequences for women because I think a lot of men who who are forced to into these sort of feminized labor industries and are earning less than they think they deserve because they're used to being in fields that generally earn more like skilled trades or um you know which the government is barely you know only funding about 10,000 jobs in that's not it's barely enough to make a dent and uh you know like more traditional kind of roles that are labor intensive it kind of worries me if men are forced into these fields as well because I do think already that's kind of one of the social bases for the MRA movement. Mm-hmm. Mm. So that's just an interesting factor I've been wondering about yeah, as well. Yeah, and, and if you think about especially domestic violence or violence in the workplace or sexual harassment in the workplace, it's about power and control. So if you put a man into a sort of feminized position surrounded by women because they're new to the role, like whether it be nursing or cleaning or what, whatever it might be, like just as an example, and they're being shown how to do something by women, but they've been conditioned to feel superior or dominate exactly. women, then that power imbalance comes into play and then you start seeing those controlling, manip- manipulating behaviours. I hadn't thought of that from that perspective, but that will be – that's um, – that's – a little bit terrifying. Yeah, because I mean, you know, they right now a lot of MRAs kind of the basis for their mentality is that they think they're victimized by women, right? <laughs> yeah, we, we did a, we did an episode on MRAs. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I mean, you you think about like obviously it's ridiculous from the perspective of people like us, like working class women who've struggled against many barriers yep. throughout our lives, right? But it's it, for them, they all they see is I don't have what I was traditionally promised, yep. or I don't have what I was, you know, I'm slowly losing out on all of these things that should have occurred. Um, and one of those things in particular is the right to a kind of work that they perceive as dignified unlike the women that unlike the work that women do right so <laughs> that's one of the things that I find a little scary yeah no that's um, MRAs are terrifying because quite often they're actually educated and they they make so many really valid points but they also like just walk straight past the actual point that it's patriarchy and capitalism and the system that we live in, not women, but they're just so keen to control us and to... Yeah, well, I think I think that they miss out that, like, under neoliberal capitalism, because what they tend to... Well, a lot of what are, like, prominent right-wing voices tend to do is replace neoliberal capitalism with, like, you know, SJWism or, um, <laughs> you know, ne- ne- neo-Marxism. And 
kind of use that as a placeholder for pretty much what would be the correct argument if they were saying yeah. if they were just using neoliberal capitalism instead yeah. right like we we because you know we lose out from that as well yeah. we lose out at a greater degree if all of the statistics yeah. back this up yeah. but yeah they 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 tend to ignore that and that's where the the victimhood mentality oh. comes into play yeah. they're just they just want to be oppressed so hard. No, they <laughs> like, just want to be pity. Yeah. They are like, the, I always make like the comparison about them and uh, people that say all life matter. You know, when you have people, mm-hmm. this is really similar. Yeah. Like you are someone that born with privilege because usually these groups too are white men too. So you have men of color, yeah. but they, usually they are white dudes, middle-aged white dudes. So yeah. it's just like, people in privilege that it chooses pity and they need to blame someone and they they just feel really intimidated and annoying about the power that women are getting in general it, not even getting we start to and fight for it i think like for real because we can't say that we haven't win much yet oh no but it, we 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 fight at you? least we are like fighting you know, and that is annoying. But in then it's just people full of privilege that is full of bullshit because they're losing some of them or maybe they are not the middle of the world. I don't know, but eh, yeah. I don't even feel that they are like a problem. It's just eh, in sales, bye, yeah. go oh, home, watch no, anime, do something with your life. I don't care. <laughs> Cry, wank into your sock. Um, but unfortunately they are having this this influence. All so the I think that all this boom about the MRI, MRI guys is... is Something that is happening in general, because if you think everything that is like fascist and right wing is is yeah. like happening, like you don't only have these two, you have white supremacists stronger than ever. You have these super conservative people, lo- uh, guns lovers, whatever that they are like. Even in my country, just the right side is so upset because they, they so see in this new wave of women and labor and workers that they are fighting for their rights and they just feeling intimidated you know yeah. especially when they are brown it's worse yet oh look yeah we were saying like how hard it is for us like for me and um Gemma I can never know what to call Elizabeth. her um oh Elizabeth um but like we always talk about how much worse like how hard it is for us but it's like twice as worse if you're brown or if you're First Nations, or if you're trans, or if you're gender diverse, it's it just it just. But we still the, it, the, the fact that we are woman, even in the budget, you see that the mm. fact that you are woman is is yeah. already you are like bam going down. So yeah. imagine if you add other of the factors that they don't like, like have a different cult color or have a different culture or speak another language that they don't like or be another religion. You just add that thing in the list, and it's just going down, down, yeah, down, yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's her name? The Minister for Women. What's it? Something Payne. Teresa Payne? Minister no Payne. She's a fucking pain in the ass. Why? I just, I just, look, I don't know. I don't like any of the women in the Liberal Party. That might shock yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, but they've, uh, so Frydenberg in the budget alluded to the Women's Economic Security Statement and was just like, oh yeah, women, are, it sucks for women right now. Go look at that statement. So I did. And um, so Minister Payne said, when women's individual economic security improves, their participation in work and leadership has flow on benefits for business, industry and whole economies. And it just goes back to the fact that they're just this budget is all about jobs and job creation, which sure, 
that's a part of it. But like as we were saying earlier, that's not the whole story. That is a very no. small part of what's no. happened. Especially for system, women. Yeah, if the system wasn't broken prior to, to COVID, I didn't know I was saying it wrong. I suppose, you're supposed to say COVID, not COVID. Yeah, co- yeah, yeah. COVID. Coronavirus. <laughs> Coronavirus. 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 God, I love, I really love Cardi B. I, I really love her. Do. Oh, yeah. oh, I can't do that. Because I'm, t- I'm too white. Yeah, white. I can't roll my R's. I can't do anything. I'm just a big old slice of cheddar cheese. I'm so lame. So lame. But going back to, to Cardi B. Fucking. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> going back to fucking pain um yeah. she is a she's a massive pain um this this the women's economic security statement yeah is just like put women back into work yeah that if women are economically stable then they're totally fine everything's fine but they don't look at the whole system and why women are, can't get economic security like everything that Gemma just said before they don't take that into account and when they look at they acknowledge that domestic violence is on is on the increase they acknowledge online harassment is on the increase because everyone's fucking stuck at home and hate women so they're like you know on their keyboards yes Oof, like I've seen on TikTok any single time I put a video out on TikTok that talks about women or like any kind of pushback against MRAs anything along those lines I get so much hate speech and so much hate oh! comments from teeny tiny little 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 men like the tiniest of people and I'm oh my god what what do you think you're achieving here and they're always just like look I do acknowledge it's bad for women but you're not winning any friends here and I'm just like what makes you think I need more friends I don't need more dicks in my life yeah I know, and it's interesting because it's not really a new funding for victim survivors of domestic violence. Mm, even, no. even we know that it's not just Australia, it's everywhere yeah. in the world, the violence mm. against women, the lockdown is being terrible because yeah. the jerks are more in stress, so now they feel with more excuses for hit you more or abuse you more or insult you more, you know, because everyone is stressed, so now they have the good excuse to hit you too more mm. and you mm. can even leave your house. So imagine the women are being all these months trapped in their house with their abuser mm. and it's not even a more founding about that topic. That is a problem because a woman that is being abused suffered of stress. She can do her job properly neither and even mm. she can even work you don't know sometimes you have this kind of crazy men that they don't want you work because they get jealous because you're someone can look at you so you are a slut so you deserve to be hit when you come back you know what i mean mm. so yeah. it's, it's like they don't see the issues that are actually more important than that tool like you for first mm. before you you make women's work more you have to keep them alive you know yeah. you know what i mean yeah. like yeah. we have to first be understand that the violence against women because we have to stop to say choose domestic violence we won't have to speak yeah. about violence against women and femicide right yeah. it's just yeah. increase so mm. why we still uh, making that these things are not happening they say that mm. happened with the mental health issue that they didn't increase nothing about addiction when mm. people in lockdown is drinking and taking more drugs because they don't have jobs, they are stressed of course some people go and do yoga but other things probably people don't have that they, you don't know their, their well, story you don't know their past you know you don't know no it's but people use their use alcohol and substances as 
uh, coping strategy, and it feels good. Yeah. So if you, I'm high all the time. If you're in a situation where everything feels a bit shit, your future prospects are a bit shit. Yeah. You're going to try and escape that, and usually yeah. that comes from something like drugs or alcohol. Yeah. Like you said, some people like a run and they get endorphins out of their running yeah. or their exercise. So they make yoga, so they put in yeah. Facebook, but be positive, you can do that's everything That's an incredibly if you want ableist to. way of looking at things because not everyone has capacity to get up and go for a run. For oh, a run. and if you're depressed or with anxiety, you it's, it's good if you go to just tend to take a shower because you're being five days with it to take a shower. So yeah, it's, it's not like it's, me, yeah. huh? Not, not, no, I'm, not, I'm not criticizing anyone for doing anything. Exactly. Like, do, do what, whatever do you, what you need feel to better. do to get you through this. Yeah, absolutely. Just survive. But, survive. Yeah, we're, we're all just trying to do the best that we can. And, like, shaming people for using substances is just, it's unhelpful. But it's, the, the mean, point is they are not doing nothing for help people you know like yeah. when it's a problem especially in victoria that is a problem you know yeah i do wonder if that's um because it started the that might be part of the state budget as opposed to the federal budget i'm not sure i was reading about the national budget but then they mentioned like victoria oh, what okay. i read about right. the mental okay. health okay. Yeah, yeah. now i'm not an expert Andrews. i'm just a little yeah. sunshine i just read sometimes and i cry <laughs> in my notebook sometimes i do mistake forgive me but yeah, no, definitely. No, only perfection. Only perfection. No, um, yeah, it was. Um, Gemma mentioned earlier that the number of uh, of psychiatric sessions or psychology sessions yeah. under the mental health plan has been increased. Is not enough. No, <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. It's it's absolutely completely ridiculous. Like when we had the Royal Commission into Mental Health, and I was I participated in that a bit. Um, we were all all of us were talking about housing. Yeah, uh, we were talking about access, and we were talking about uh, mental health care plans. Yeah, like t- ten, twelve. We we need like at least one one once a week. Like mm. so, twelve twelve is once a month. That's not enough if you're in crisis. No, no, it's not. So I mean, ideally, you would do one a week for maybe the first month or so, seeing depending on what the what the situation is. Yes. So you would be looking at maybe you'd do four. I'd say on average you should have eight just for that crisis period, and then one a month. Uh, oh no, one a fortnight, and then it go monthly. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And that's if things are going well. Like that's exactly, not even <laughs> exactly. That's not. You know, that's not someone who needs intensive care, like someone who's been through trauma or something. Yeah. Like the system just doesn't look after after people who are unwell. And especially if you're a woman, your trauma might be your partner who you're living with. So you're going to a psychology session to sort of essentially to to break that barrier because the abuse is so significant that even if you know that you're abused, you've got it in your head that you can't leave. Yeah. You might not be able to leave because you're more at risk of literally being killed if you leave at that stage. Yeah. But also you, you've been gaslit and you've been abused so bad that you're just like, I actually can't, like I have to stay. Or you're worried about the kids. Like, will he try and hurt the children if I leave? What will happen? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So while you're in the state of trauma, like, one session a month isn't going to help you with that. No, but no, what no, you no. can do in a psychology session is is build resilience and build strength training and reframe the conversation around where does the shame belong? 
because yeah. that's not something you can't just tell someone go in sit down say this is happening cool that's not your fault that's his that's a process that needs to be unlearned dear elizabeth she's back yay can you explain us about how will affect the central link situation to women yeah so and mutual obligations is um something that's been under the spotlight again as a result of the fact that you know uh it's simply more people are unemployed um and mutual obligations just came back. Um, and one of the things that's been a reality for some time is that if you have a partner who, and, you know, generally if you don't admit to this, you're committing fraud of some kind. If you have a partner who is earning above a certain threshold, then you're not entitled to Centrelink. Um, and that's kind of a way that locks women into domestic violence situations because obviously the assumption there is that you're financially reliant on your partner and if you want a, an income and you're not working and you need to leave then it's basically a choice between abusive husband or the streets so you know a yeah. lot of people uh, there's a lot of focus on you know the sort of emotional reasons why women might not leave it abusive situations but we also don't talk about the real material and financial reasons why women don't leave mm. abusive situations yeah and things like these requirements built into the bureaucracy of our welfare system that ensures women can't leave as a as another example i'm quite active in um chronic illness communities because i have a few underlying health conditions myself and um a lot of things that women talk about there is the reality that they her, you know, if they want disability or if they're just on sick leave with Centrelink or anything like that, then they often can't get access to it because they have a partner who's earning above a certain threshold. And, you know, that's kind of terrifying in a way because not only are they vulnerable because they're sick, like, you know, either temporarily or for a much longer period of time, and they are reliant on the husband to look after them. And the reality is that it doesn't always work out that way. Not all men are that nice, <laughs> let's face it. So, um, you know, mm, it's... No, it, financial abuse is uh, real. Yeah, so it's exactly one of the, you know, if we're looking for a, a clear campaign to sort of um, work around when it comes to domestic violence, perhaps maybe ending mutual obligations is one as opposed to just donning a white ribbon once a year. <laughs> you know? Oh, fucking white ribbon. International yeah. days. <laughs> it just pisses me off. Pisses me off. Yeah. Scott Morrison pisses me off constantly. He makes me so <laughs> angry. Just looking at his face, his smug fucking face, the, the, Hen's house. We we spoke about this hen's house last week, and he's naming the chickens after um, ministers' wives. Fire of a thousand sons. I'm so angry, oh, and God. I'm so glad that there's like been a couple of news reports that have actually picked up on how fucking terrible that is. His his response to people criticizing the fact that he's not really looked after women has essentially been, "Well, women use roads too." I just, yes. Yeah. Sorry, no, this, you won't be able to a, see my I mean, hands. Beyond... It's like it's very Abbott-esque in the sense that um, he was like, "What was your greatest achievement as the minister for women?" And he was just like repealing the carbon tax. I'm just like, eat a bag of dicks. Yeah. I'm so sick of men in politics. Beyond it, fuck off. Beyond it being like an, an innately trivializing and sexist thing to say. That's the level of discourse in our country. You know, they can't even think of a sophisticated yeah. way to be sexist. It's just, oh, like, you know, they can drive on roads. <laughs> yes. <laughs> can we you know? 
probably gonna yell you a shit um, driver. Sorry. In a way, it does seem like what he that that whole speech that he had because he had this whole speech where he was also talking about you know it's it, women should uh you know succeed but they shouldn't succeed at the expense of men. To me, it just kind of goes back into what we were talking about before. I think he was dog whistling to people who think that women kind of dominating feminized labor industries is all of a sudden a threat right because of the fact that they a lot of men have to work in these industries too or women might try and push their way into certain like stem fields for example at the end of the day who is the person that is causing men to lose out you know if we look at the reason that a lot of these masculine industries um died to begin with it's deindustrialization it's the fact that jobs were offshored. It's the fact that, um, you know, manufacturing has 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 declined significantly in this country. And the government said they're going to fund manufacturing in this budget, but they're only subsidizing industries that are already exist in Australia. They're not you're not thinking about producing new like consumer goods, for example, for Australian consumers. They're, they're still just, you know, the basic things that we already do, like weapons manufacturing and things like that. I don't think that will necessarily increase jobs all that much, and it won't necessarily increase jobs for men either. So it's it's interesting to me that they have this rhetoric where they're sort of dog whistling to the to the MRA kind of mentality of like we're, we're victims at the hands of women because women dominate all of these other industries and men are losing their jobs and things like that but there's ah. a reason men are losing their jobs yeah. <laughs> yeah I hate them they're so stupid yeah. can't remember where I read it but it was like he was he was essentially like calling on women not to split the recovery like they were there shouldn't as... be a division between men and women <laughs> yeah. yeah the the fucking the dude from XR last week as well, who was he was he was banging on about how he was um essentially like trying to say that he didn't see gender and he's an intellectual, so he like sees things based on merit. And I'm like, that is completely bullshit. Well, not only bullshit, but just like just glossing over the disparity and the disadvantages yeah. that women have. Exactly. In order to not even like he was a philosopher. Yeah. So we know how misogynistic philosophers are. So it's really yeah. far to solve. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of like there is a division between men and women because there has always been a sexual <laughs> division of labor and it's always been because of the reality of, you know, women's reproductive capacity and so on. It's it's just it's just a, a material reality. How why shouldn't we talk about a division that exists? Exactly. You know? Um but they sort of say, no, it's the feminists who are creating the division because they're the ones talking about it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Talking yeah, about so it's... talking talk, talking about material reality. That's yeah, interesting. Funny. Funny. They, I'm um... sorry, but but facts don't actually care about your feelings. So. <laughs> I've I've noticed a lot of gaslighting from Morrison and Frydenberg. Like in Frydenberg's interview with Lee Sale after he read the budget, she kept asking him questions. She goes, oh, you're very cynical, aren't you, Lee? Like as if like having a go at her because he was refusing to answer questions and she kept asking him, well, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? What are you doing? And she's like, oh, you're very cynical about this, aren't you? And she's like, what? But even like um Morrison was doing some gaslighting and I can't remember what he said. I thought I did a tweet about it, but I didn't. But do you know yeah, what he did yeah, do? Every... At the start of COVID, 
they cancelled um, sickness allowance at the start of COVID. You used to be able to yeah. get a, a doctor's certificate. They cancelled that, which would have actually been a perfect payment for people in yeah. casualised labour to get, yeah. you know, quick welfare. Like, that actually meant, you, you know how they started introducing that, Dan Andrews introduced that $400 payment or something for people who tested positive or and had to take time off work or did a COVID test and they had to not go to work for a couple of days and they yeah. were eligible for this once-off $400 payment. Like this, exactly. this sickless allowance could have covered that. Yeah, that's that's strange, yeah. I mean, I guess I guess the probably the reason, well, I mean, the reason that they wouldn't necessarily have done it, used the sickness allowance for that is because the bureaucracy of Tessentley, even just – even just um, managing to get onto Centrelink can take four months <laughs> at the current stage that it's in. Yeah. So they probably knew like this will fail you. Um, yeah. But <laughs> uh, but yeah, but cancelling the sickness allowance is crazy. And you know, I think the reason, the underlying reason that they're doing that too, is because it's pretty much the only re- only option for a lot of people with serious disabilities now because they changed several years ago the disability requirements which mean that you have to prove in order to prove you're disabled you have to prove that it's a condition that will last for longer than two years and that you've exhausted every treatment option which is a kind of crazy piece of red tape because if what? you're sick, you're constantly being treated, right? You you yeah. you constantly need treatment, and um, you know it's, you know, even just an, as as an example, a lot of women uh, with endometriosis, they will have like maybe six or seven surgeries throughout their entire lifetime, so they can't yeah. get disability pension if they if a doctor says, well, at one point in time, I can give you another surgery, you know. So it's <laughs> it's it's crazy. <laughs> But but anyway, like the disability help should we be anyway if it's only for one or two years because even in one or two years you still have to live. You know what I mean? Even if the illness yeah. is is for two years, you that two years you still have to live, pay rent, pay everything. So who yeah. cares how, what long it is? If you sick and you can work, they should we be helping you because you're sick. Yeah. And a lot of people, like, they might be treated, but treated isn't necessarily a guarantee of a increase in quality of life to the degree that you can enter back into the workforce full time, yeah. you know? So it's, 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 it's completely cutting out all the people who fall into that gray area. And that's a lot of people. And the only thing that a lot of people who were facing that, um, you know, I have a lot of friends who were doing this, a, a lot of people who are facing that situation were just, you know, applying for sick leave after sick leave after sick leave. And they would allow for that up to the point of maybe six months. And then it's, you know, work for the dole or get a job, basically. So it's it's really, it's it's a horrifying situation, really. But on top um, of that, it also goes back to being dependent on abusive relationships. Exactly. Oh, exactly. so fucked. So, Everything's yeah. a circle, if you oh, notice. Everything I think it's is just a circle. A hole. It's just a really it's fucking because, big it's hole. Because <laughs> that's the problem because they don't fix the things right. That's why I'm a super like I completely with the revolution that is happening in my country. I don't care that we have to fight the police every day. Like forget a new constitution, but the things have to be fixed. And the way that the war is working now, the economy is working now, is is not working anymore because it had to be more social. We had to stop to think about that is waste money or or I don't know like we have to spend money in this no this is like in 
it's your country, it's your state, it's your, it's your people. You as a government have to protect them. And yeah, that exactly. is no waste money. That is invest. A happy population is a happy country. You know, it's, yeah. it's so simple. Happy people yeah. uh, have better conditions. It's less violence. It's everything. Yeah. So why always is so, is so afraid to spend money in what they have to? That is the basic things, you oh, know, like cutting job seeker and job keeper. I just, you fucking pieces of shit. Like you just absolute assholes. Like, like it's just they, they, disgusting. Yeah. And the, the yeah. one of the, you know, like the innate logic in what you're saying there as well is that like something that a lot of Keynesian economists would agree with. It's not, it shouldn't be that controversial because, you know, a lot of, you know, for example, um, it, not increasing wages at the bottom not you know providing subsidies to the the lowest income earners for example um that like deepens the recession longer term because mm. the 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 people at, there's so there's a, a concept in economics called um marginal marginal propensity to save and basically what it means is that people at the top they there's sort of like a, a a graph where the the higher income earners uh, or the higher, more that you <laughs> earn, rather, the more you save. So the in a re- and particularly in a recession, higher income earners are less likely to spend because they think, well, yes. now's not a safe time to spend, so I will just keep my money, um, yeah. or, or hold cash or anything like that. And then uh, lower income earners have to spend because. That's what that the only thing that they use their money for is survival, and so they're mm-hmm. continuously exactly. spending, right? So, lower income earners will spend more of the subsidies that they are given. It's just like a it's a really basic <laughs> economic concept that yeah. is yeah. is being completely defied by these sort of neoliberals and governments. Yeah, um, yeah neoliberals are so sh- I'm sorry, but I hate them. They just <laughs> I don't think either of us them. like them either. It's fine. I, I hate them because they destroy my freaking country. You yeah. want to see how a country get destroyed by neoliberalism? Read a mm-hmm. little bit about Chile. It's just, it's disgusting. It's mm. terrible. And we have people is so rich. It's so rich. Mm. And it's like, why? Why they can be so mm. rich when we have people that still don't have bathrooms? Like, why? Yeah. Like, I don't understand yeah. why no you one, can allow no one needs to, to people be a have... How no. how we how yeah. we can allow that the guy in Amazon is a trillionaire? Yeah. When is going to spend that money? Why? What more you need? What? Why you need a more other island? Why you need another helicopter? When you have people that is struggling to like you, we have women how we say before that they've been abusing their house because they can live it because they have an income and you have people that don't can even spend their own money. Like yeah. that is the world that we want. We don't want it anymore. But people is afraid because we realize about that. Mm. You know, and that is so scary. That's why they're afraid of women, that are afraid of activism, because we realize and like this is bullshit. You know, it's bullshit, and mm. this system had to go down. Let's compare everything, people. I know they're joking. No. Maybe yeah, no, no, yes, no, absolutely. <laughs> we need more. We need more like angry taking to the actual streets and having the actual conversations and getting upset and getting angry and getting agitated about this stuff because no one does we're so apathetic it's funny though with like people in I mean everyone knows this and it's it makes sense to save your money when you when you're it's a recession save it so that you can you know spend it later because who knows what's going to happen it's not a stupid thing to do but you know but hoarding 
is a mental health issue. So maybe that's how we can get more mental health care. I don't know. You <laughs> <laughs> have to put more taxes I, to I, rich. I don't know why. What is that thing to protect well, the rich that don't need the money? I like just, make them then pay more taxes. They are rich yeah, already. No, absolutely. With, with us. Because remember that the rich is rich because he explode the other ones. Don't forget the capitalism is about explosion of other ones. Oh yeah, like no, absolutely. They, so yeah. it's like you just giving back what you're getting from the other ones that we are working no. hours for the half of the, the third of the ten mm. percent. What you do? And I think it's one not of the just problems taxes. It's like capping. We need to start capping how much. CEOs can actually earn. Like there is no way that someone is doing a job that is that complex that they need to be paid like $500,000 a year. Like yeah. it's not that hard. Like just hire someone else to help you. Our political classes are ultimately their, you know, glorified managers. They don't really serve yes. any other purpose. Um, yes. You know, and and in Chile, that that's a great example because I think – People in Chile have this experience of a socialized economy and then the reversal of, you know, amazing things like redistribution of wealth and, um, you know, um, uh, an increased equity between the genders as a result of that. And then the complete destruction of that in the space of a year. Um, and I think people who would have a memory of that socialized economy would realize how fantastic it is. I think the problem is in the West, we don't have a history to look on like that we we a lot yep. of people kind of don't really realize you know what could be they just sort of mm. look at countries like chile or they look at you know venezuela cuba you know all of the the kind of um you know uh the dprk whatever else they, they look at all of the obvious kind of countries that can serve as some kind of scapegoat to sort of say oh no like they have this 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 and that so if we try that in the west then the shelves will be bare well, we had a pandemic and now the shelves were bare. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> it was just toilet paper. What else? What else are you gonna use? Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. <laughs> and it's that it's funny because people love to say that uh, they want to call Chile Chilezuela now because we take it, try to bring the social things back mm. to our country, you know. Mm. And it's pretty fun because I don't know why people always think that socialism and communism uh, is com connected to dictatorship, like. That's not the theory. It's just the people apply it like that, and in the end, it's the same shit. Like yeah. fascism, communism, socialism. If you take it in that way, when you oppress people and you are dictator, it's bullshit anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like it, Hitler, it never works because they never. Sorry. Hitler was as part of the Socialist Party, so obviously socialists <laughs> are Nazis. And yeah, Stalin and Hitler. And the truth is, South America never have the chance. To, like when we have agenda that was just shoot a really short time, we never can get it right because immediately United States, thank you again, uh, <laughs> they went there, Frankie Nixon, and they bring all these people, they support peace. all uh, Pinochet and everyone, and we lose the chance to maybe create something new. And now we are uh, struggling to survive. And not only because economic problems, you know, because our own police is killing us uh, and torturing us uh, and no one's do anything about it uh, because they are police. So if you want to really know what happened when you don't take care of your people, read about Chile, that's what's going to happen. I don't yeah. know if it's going to happen here, but it's, 
it was one day, it was just one day, kids decide, 15 years old, stop to pay the subway. They actually were female girls from a high school, and, and the police came, one of them shoot a girl in the leg, and that was all, Chile was on fire. You know, and I'm mm. proud of my at the fire of the people because these people put in risk their life, and we are fighting yeah. people for middle class, the most poor people, uh, the people that is being always treated like criminals because if they don't have another option, right? You have to do it how you eat, and we are fighting together against a, a, a economical system, as economical system, and an elite of politicians that in the end are always the same because you think you vote for different people, but they work for the same ones. That they are yeah. the same people that always make the money. And they exactly. should be paying here of any country for what is happening. They should be paying for all of us. Because thanks to us, they have the money that they have. Mm. But they don't because yeah. they protect. Yeah. We are lucky in this country, though, that we have opposition like Anthony Albanese in the Labour Party. <laughs> what, a, so, what a healthy functioning democracy. It's not a two-party autocracy at all. So radically different. Yeah. It blows my mind. To is that yeah. sarcasm, right? That's the yes, deepest yeah. sarcasm. <laughs> In- intense sarcasm. Yeah. It's the kind of sarcasm, if you look at it directly, it'll burn your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> because because behind my, you know, banal voice is deep fire and rage. So, um, you don't yes. have a banal voice. What's oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> My my just... calm my calm exterior then let's say that so yeah so the Labour Party they they promise that they have the budget for women and what does the budget for women mean basically it uh, they want to subsidise childcare which I mean yeah not going to address all of these structural issues that we already talked about feminised labour fields that wages are stagnating the fact that women don't have entry to decent housing the fact that they're locked into domestic yeah. violence situations the Labour Party they they find these sort of one or two kind of policy issues that they where they sort of say okay well this is how we're different and they're kind of playing into the culture wars a little bit but they're not even doing so for good reason you know they're not doing so for because they have and for a start how many women they have in the labor party for a start probably how many women they have there i don't think the federal cabinet for labor is too bad actually yeah i don't don't know if it's exactly 50 but it's i I think it's quite good but oh well that's good i mean this but it's uh, look, like you could yeah i mean like representation mm, at the end of the day uh only matters if the women have substantive politics to begin with is i guess the ultimate problem um, yeah. because yeah women and, uh, uh, women to... can implement anti-women yeah. policy reforms just oh you know. yes it's, <laughs> how's, it's, how's, it's true. how's young bettina going like yeah, yeah. fucking Julie Bishop, I'm not a feminist. Even like, even well, you're here because of feminism, but okay. even Julia Gillard, she had that you know feminist speech, oh. which is being sort of re kind of brought into the like sphere again, yeah. and uh, you know she cut single parent pension on the exact day, same day she gave that speech. Yep, yep. I love to remind people. Yeah. Of that. Oh fucking hell! I still I still think that's a great speech, but I fucking it just it's such a bitter pill. Such a oh yeah, and then yeah, because it's on... just something that happened to her. It's just because about her. It's not about well, women. Yeah, it's and because... that's when I yeah, that's when I talk about liberal feminism and white feminism. It's all about um us and what individualism. Us. It's yeah, it's very individualist. 
um, I want this, I can't have it because I'm a woman, right, I'll fight against it. Yeah. Whereas intersectionalism and that kind of stuff is much more the system is broken. Like the... the, the um, we're still... Sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry. The the no, no. um the liberal feminist perspective is sort of let's smash the glass ceiling, but who are you smashing the glass ceiling for? Maybe one woman no. out of hundreds of thousands who are in poverty? Yeah. That's not good enough. Yeah. No. No no more smashing ceilings, we're going to smash the walls down instead. That's that's my philosophy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um yeah. Mine burn everything. <laughs> So what else did Elbow have to say? Not not a great deal. He did talk about climate change, which was good. Actually, he did a really he said something really interesting about um reworking the energy grid so that it could um host more renewables, which is pos- possible, positive. I'm not sure, but like just I just it's so condescending to be like, well, if we just make childcare free, then women won't have any issues. Because it, it goes back into that, that gender role thing mm. where women are the ones who are expected to do the child raising. Yeah. We're trying to shift that narrative, people. We are trying to acknowledge the fact that men are parents and sometimes some kids even have two men as parents. Like, get your head around that. Like, wow. Well, e- well even... <laughs> wow. Even, even then... Is that even possible? <laughs> Yeah, even then, you know, we don't even have guaranteed maternity leave in most of the positions that no. women are going to be fighting for a place in to work, you know. Um, and, yeah. like, for example, I know from experience of uh, working in retail back in the day, a lot of my female colleagues, they would just sort of say, okay, well, I want a baby. I'm just going to take two years off work. And that's only if they have a partner that they can depend on. And, you know, they yeah. know that they're taking a massive risk because it is a risk to not have any source of income and rely entirely on a male partner to have a baby. That's just a massive risk. Um, so it's, it's again, women being locked into these situations where they have no option. And it's, you know, subsidising childcare is a huge thing i know we do have some of the highest rates of um you know uh uh childcare in the oecd and i know a lot of women like for example won't even work some days because it's too expensive to take their kids into um like like the amount that they would earn would be about the same amount that it would take to um mm. put their kids in childcare um but what yeah that's 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 a thing <laughs> um that's horrible yeah yeah um, so that is another thing where it locks women into dependence on men, but, but they're not, it's just, again, it's just scratching the surface. And I think most yeah. Australians are kind of aware that it's just scratching the surface because people are, you know, radicalizing and feeling increasingly desperate. <laughs> so. Yeah. So depressing. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> But it is. This budget is such a short-term solution. It's painting over black mould, essentially. You're not getting rid of the problem. You're just making it look shiny and new for the next election. Hopefully we can, maybe our memories will be a little bit better and we won't forget this time how fucking shit this guy is. These people, all of them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and I mean I the know. other the um, other thing is that they say they want to invest in renewables, which is great. That probably would create jobs, but um, at the same time, you know, you still have Queensland State Labor Party who are never going to let go 
of Adani and they're pretending that that is a, a part of the jobs economy. It's not. I mean, I think nearly half of the no. jobs that uh, Adani created were and eventually automated and that's going to increasingly happen with most mining projects. So yeah. these are not, yeah. it's yeah. again. Like talked about like a just transition or something like that, like retraining people in the fossil fuels to work in renewables because, you know, like wind farms and, and solar panels requires engineers and it re- requires, you know, other stuff still. And it can be repurposed and reused in, in the renewable sector. Mm. But no one seems, I feel like no one's having these conversations or like, I mean, like Friends of the Earth, obviously, and but it seems to be from smaller collective groups. Like I don't even really hear the Greens talking about it all that much, to be honest, because those are the, if, if you want to convince people from the country that they will still have have a job you need to talk to yeah. them from the country and engage with exactly. them around this stuff. yeah and that's because that's what they're scared about it's it's yeah. a problem I mean I know I went to um this one campaign where we were they were supposed to be just sort of temporarily blocking off coal trucks in sort of regional New South Wales the the people the, the coal workers they just sort of or the people driving the trucks, rather, they sort of had this go and they were like, oh, you know, get a job or whatever. They just sort of were just Mm. frustrated by the whole situation. But the protesters, they said, well, at least I had the sense to go to university and I'm going to have a better job than you. Um, They're creating class distinctions where there doesn't need to be. Because I think what the right wing wants the climate change issue to be is a culture war, right, where the hyper-intellectual group of middle-class university students are the only ones who dominate the rhetoric around this, when in reality, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's something that's going to affect rural and regional people the most. It's got something that's mm-hmm. going to affect, mm-hmm. you know, uh, poor people the most. It's, there's these kind of divisions that don't need to be there. And like you said, like, miners aren't wedded to the jobs that they do it's just good fucking pay you know and so they need they need options out of out of these economies and the problem is Mm. they're like for unskilled laborers there aren't that many other options could go um pick some fruit for 20 cents a day yeah yeah exactly cool (laughs) Cool. yeah is there any anything optimistic from this budget i'm trying to think there must be something good did something good happen I don't know. I just read the bad stuff. I just read the bad ones. I read too that they decreased uh, the art funding. That that happened everywhere. And I feel so bad as a fashion designer and really close to the artist. It's really sad because the people that's keeping us happy all this time actually has been people in the arts. Movies, theater, music, everything. So it's so sad that always the arts are punished when we should be taking money from other places. Maybe, I don't know, army or maybe police. <laughs> but it's better taking for yeah. people that already have really low income because being an artist is love because money yeah. you don't do only if you're famous yeah, yeah. but if not you, my friends all of them have three jobs uh, <sighs> or one job extra when they are artists I just I just wonder who's going to do their advertising campaigns <laughs> and who's going to do their write up their little because that's all that's graphic design that's art oh. we don't need any more of this art what we need is a potential nuclear war <laughs> Um, you know, that, look, yeah, that that'll really fix Di- the country, right? Divest from the arts into the fossil fuels. <laughs> like, well, why why do we need a happy future when we don't have a future? We need more like, security. If, <laughs> yeah, 
Oh, I love that Jesus. one. And I swear to God, Morrison is trying to bring about the rapture. One of the things that I think about oh, that is that, like, I think something that gets under the skin of a lot of Australians, even Australians that are quite, like, maybe especially Australians that are quite nationalistic, is um, the fact that we're kind of a cultural, like, just outpost of America. And, you know, it's because yeah. it, we, we don't fund cultural production enough for us to have enough of our own kind of cultural identity. So or everyone's just kind of, Fetching yeah, up. like, <laughs> whoa, that's, that's all we have to cling on to now. Vegemite and koalas. <laughs> yeah. But don't tell, talk to Carol <laughs> about koalas. Yes. Well, you know, that's. <laughs> <laughs> we used to have koalas. <laughs> I know it's just such a sophisticated nation with many layers. Hey, yeah, but <laughs> but I mean, it's it's just like, do you, do you want that? Do you want Hollywood to kind of direct Australian culture, or do you not want us to like develop our own kind of grassroots culture? Because it just seems a bit, yeah. it's a bit strange, and and that's what that's the direct result of not funding cultural production and not funding the arts. Yeah, you know. So yeah, yeah, but it's it is helpful. Cool. It's helpful for the government for us to be that way because then then we have some kind of ideological justification for war with China or you know war with Russia. So awesome. Yeah. I'm really sad. I'm really sad. <laughs> okay, so sorry. I'm, a, I'm really being such a cynic. I'm well, sorry. Cause, no, no, no. I'm no, but it is. It's fucking depressing. Um, and we can't even take to the streets. Yeah, yeah. I know Australia. I, 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 I love this country. Anyway, I stay because I fall in love and I like it because I feel more safe than in my own country as as a woman. Yeah. But sometimes I just would like to take the whole country and slap it in the face. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Wake what up. are you doing? No, like it's not like that. Because we are such a like white Australia is so young. Yeah. I don't know. I reckon probably in this in the scope of the of the whole world we're arrogant teenagers, essentially. Looking up to America. What I feel like Australia yeah. is is really comfortable. That's happened. It's just because yeah, people we're entitled live... kids who don't know any better and we haven't actually had what revolution like what Eureka Stockade? Like what other sort of actual I don't know what to call it. Yeah, revolution like or war, word. nothing. But we've not we've not had like a riot or we've not No, because you don't even independent from Jones. the Queen yet. Well not since you don't even are still we haven't had I mean, during the Great Depression we had skirmishes where trade unionists yeah. would shoot off with the bosses. Um but honestly I think maybe we're headed towards the Don't talk dirty <laughs> to me. <laughs> I think I think you know we're headed towards similar conditions to the economic depression. Yeah. So guys, now's the time. <laughs> now yeah. guys, take the streets. Take the streets. The streets are yours. Oh, That's sorry. all I can say. Don't be afraid. Uh, people here, no one is used to to like revolution or nothing. So if you take the street, they're going to be terrified. Terrified yeah. because yeah. nothing happened here. Yeah. So in magic, two million people. Fuck the police. Oh, my beautiful. And One I, or two oh, again, statues to stop. the floor of the so colonialists. Stop it. Okay. In South America, we are dropping all the statues of the col- colonialists. You know, the Spanish and everyone that came and killed Aboriginals. We throw them all to the floor and cut their heads and drop it to the river. <laughs> damn. That, damn. That, that's really... so sexy. I love, I love the passion that you described that with. I, I'm really excited. 
interested to see what will happen in March next year if they do actually cut job seeker and job keeper payments oh my God. altogether. I'm terrified. If they put unemployment mm. back to five fifty, mm. I think we will see some genuine revolutionary. I go, I go, I go. Oh, yes, yeah, straight. I, yeah, I no, give no. you all the tips, Absolutely. guys. My fear though is that it will be a bit like America. And don't get me wrong, I think the Black Lives Matter movements have been vital, but at the same time. I, I fear that because it was it was very aimless. It was politically aimless in the sense that, you know, only there were some groups who had some demands and there were some groups yeah. who had others. And, you know, most of it was just destruction because people were feeling in their people were in despair. Right. Um, yeah. And what I fear is that there won't be anyone sort of saying, OK, all of you people who are without using the term vanguard because I don't like that term but like <laughs> I think people need some kind of political direction otherwise it will just be you know I disagree okay sure okay okay <laughs> you know why, why? because uh, the big the difference of this revolution happening now is we don't need a head for the moment because that's the problem the heads are always betrayed us so sure. in, the case, in the case of Chile we start at a, choose a Facebook thing. Let's go everything to this place. And we were 1,000, 100,000, 1 million, 2 million, 3 million on the street. And it was, no, was, wasn't a head, it was a collective. And because that, because we didn't take shit for anyone, and you know, because come politician and now they say for their position, no, no, I understand you sign out for you people. We were like, no, your paper is bullshit. We want that we do now is the people voting. We're going to vote for anything that you do. And as people, as a country, we start to do the shit done. And now we're going to vote for people that can represent us. Women, aboriginals, we want to make it like Asamblea Constitucional, Constitutional Assembly, Assembly, I don't know in English. But uh, I think that when you start the thing with one person, in the mm. end you're taking only their ideology, what they want you follow. But if you uh, like start like that from zero, do you start to organize in the way? But if you start yeah. with someone like a party or something, they will never going to think about well, everyone. Yeah, so it, it, the collective I, I is better. Yeah, I don't think it would ever start with a party saying, "Hey, you should be angry, so let's go to the street." I think like people are going to be angry first. Like I agree with you 100 percent on that. But I think in America, yeah. one of the issues was that like, and I've seen this just in campaigns that I've organized in over time as well, is that people funnel their anger and despair and energy into one campaign and it kind of simmers away after a while, the more repressive the state becomes. And in America, mm-hmm. you know, it eventually got to a point where I don't think they, anyone was prepared for how intensely repressive the state would become. And yeah. Mm-hmm. And, as a result, it kind of created enough fear that people eventually, or enough people eventually went back into their homes and kind of thought, okay, we're going to have to rethink how we organize here. And I think in Australia, because we haven't had severe enough riot or protest or uprising of some kind, where we've experienced the full force of the state, I think when a lot of people won't be prepared for how the state might respond. And so I think what we need to do is kind of think in a, in a more cohered way about how we respond to the inevitable ways in which the state responds. Yeah, that's will respond. true. Also, learn of the mistakes of the yeah. other ones. But yeah, I feel sometimes because they have to be fear, they have to fear the people. There's only way that they're going to understand. Exactly. Sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. It can sound violent my speech, but I feel that they need to understand that you have to fear your people because you are 
a elite group and we are the ones that are doing the shit job for you like you getting rich for us you know like police you can have the guns but we have the numbers and i'm just super passionate about the revolution now because we are going to vote and i just want mm. everyone is fucking free fucking rich people i, no, I don't like it yeah yeah i think the difference between like sort of the black lives matter and the, the chilean situation that people are already yeah. organized in chile activated and angry enough yeah Whereas, it's true it, like, we were we yeah, were on the street for yeah. a while with the feminism especially the yeah. feminists are yeah. being like the biggest biggest ones and yeah and, were, and like how well educated the grassroots movement is i think matters as well because it, in terms of yeah. like what the actual yeah. issues are because I think, you know, in America, I think no one kind of really had any understanding of what the broader issues were aside from pre- police brutality. No, because education and, is terrible. Yeah. They don't even know how to use a map. <laughs> yeah. Well. And everyone. They. You know what I mean? Like, um, literacy rates in America are surprisingly high. <laughs> um, and we're not that much better. <laughs> um, so. Yeah. Right, Trump? Yeah. How is your coronavirus going, you bitch? Well, apparently he's not infectious as of today. Which is- <laughs> I hope he dies. Okay, I want to say goodbye. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. Sorry for talking about that so much, but check for Chile again, guys. Super interesting. And thank you so much, Elizabeth, to be with us today. You are amazing. I wish we can talk five hours more, but people probably will not listen to all of it. <laughs> but definitely we're going to have you back other day for talk about a little bit more about politics. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, we have uh, the, the constitution. Uh, we're going to vote for a new constitution in Chile, and we can talk a little bit more about neoliberalism in the next, in next occasion so maybe people can know what it's about that would be amazing what do you think yeah that would be great oh awesome let's do it girl okay yeah. thank you so much have a great week and take care bye bye